Continuing here with part two of episode 94 of Sportspeak. And thank you to Raheel and Nick for joining us earlier. Eddie Kalegi here with Zoe Alter. I'm going to be talking about Major League Baseball, of course, since we have the exact same backgrounds. Uh, and the Mets playing really well. First team in baseball to get the 10 wins. And they did it at City Field, taking three of four from the Giants. But before we talk baseball, of course, we have the Detroit Lions expert here. What do you guys do with number two? Because, of course, there's Thibodeau, there's Hutchison, now Walker's in the mix. And I've even seen multiple mock drafts with Malik Willis going number two and the Lions drafting a quarterback, which personally I think would be a horrible decision. But uh, what, what, do you, what do you hope to see from Detroit? Okay, I'm not going to lie. At first, like when I was watching the combine, I was all Thibodeau. I was like, I do not want Aiden Hutchinson. I was like, he only wanted to play for Michigan. He's not going to care about Detroit. He's just, you know, he has a big Michigan family, go blue, whatever. And I thought he was just going to drop off when he got to the NFL. However, my opinion has changed a lot because I think Thibodeau is a little lazy and I'm a little worried about that because like we saw at the combine, he left early. He didn't finish his drills. He was like, you guys can see me in my pro day, but we've had guys like that on the Lions, and it's never worked out when you have a lazy guy, it doesn't work out. And especially a guy like Thibodeau who has a ways to go. He's a physical freak, right? but he has a ways to go with football. That's what the Lions did with Ziggy Ansah a couple of years ago. They took this kid who really had no business playing football. I'm not saying that Thibodeau doesn't. Thibodeau obviously is more experienced, but this physical freak that how do you pass up on him? And then Ziggy Ansah ended up not doing anything for the Lions and did stuff for other teams, but nothing for the Lions. And so for me, I'm looking for Hutchinson at two. I'm really hoping he doesn't go one. I'll be happy if the Lions end up getting Thibodeau at two, but I think I'm all in on Hutchinson right now. However, I would also like to see someone like Kyle Hamilton because I think the Lions really need to improve that secondary. And as a Lions fan, because Jeff Okuda got hurt so early and wasn't there for the rest of the season, I like forgot he existed, not going to lie. And then I remember a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh my gosh, like we have Jeff Okuda too. So I think we could have this crazy, really locked down secondary. That would be really important for the Lions because they've always had big issues tackling late in the field. So I think Kyle Ham- Hamilton could also be a great option. However, I do think you're reaching for him a little bit at two. So maybe you trade a pick and drop down a tiny little bit or something. As for the QB, I really don't see that, that happening. I get that I really don't have much faith in Jared Goff either, but I don't know if Willis is the way to go with the two pick. Is he that good that it's worth spending your number two pick on that you're probably not going to have again next year? I don't, I don't know if I would agree with that one. If anything, I think take a different range quarterback a little later on. We all know this draft isn't the most quarterback heavy, even though there will be quarterbacks going early. It's not one of those years where it's like, there are these crazy QBs that everyone has to take early. It's not one of those drafts. It's a draft that's more defensive and other players. So I don't think I'd be as aggravated as you because you seem pretty aggravated if they were to take a QB, but I don't think I'd be the happiest for you to spend your number two pick on someone who's going to ride the bench the whole year. And then you're going to throw him into a situation and what expect him to be your franchise QB for the next couple of years while you go to win a Super Bowl. I don't know if Malik Willis is that guy. So, yeah, I don't think he's worth a top two pick. And I don't know. I, I think Kyle Hamilton is a good player, but for the lions, I feel like you've got to kind of diversify it and not pick back-to-back years with secondary players because yeah. yeah you don't know what you're getting with Jeff Okuda but he was still a top five pick and I, I think that still speaks volumes so I think trying to help that D-line especially or bring in some sort of pass rusher is going to be big as much as a secondary and having a lockdown secondary is 
you know, a big deal. When you look at the NFC North, I mean, the Bears aren't going to be able to throw the ball because of Justin Fields. Aaron Rodgers has no weapons to throw the ball to. So the only team you're really worrying about with the secondary in the NFC North are the Vikings. And, you know, I mean, they have Kirk Cousins at their quarterback, so there's already some limitations there. So yeah. I, I just – And there's no, there's no real stopping Justin Jefferson anyway. So, yeah. you know. There's nobody – yeah, there's nobody who's really going to match up with him – yeah. him. I mean, so I don't really think that's the biggest need. I think it's pass rushing really for Detroit. And I think Hutchison, Walker, even Thibodeau, any of those three could really fit. But let's shift gears to baseball. And we got to talk about the New York Mets. It's all about the Mets, baby. They are 10 and four. They've won their first four series of the season. They have the best ERA for starters in baseball without the best starting pitcher in baseball, even being healthy. And Carlos Carrasco yesterday went seven and two thirds innings two run ball. Chris Bassett got knocked around on Wednesday, but has been really good outside of that. Taiwan Walker is expected to be healthy again this weekend. Of course, Max Scherzer took a no-hitter into the sixth inning, his last outing. And yeah, the Mets had an easier schedule, but their first real test, three of four they take from the San Francisco Giants. Francisco Lindor stands out. And I know I don't want to get excited too early in the season. I know the Mets led the NL East for 100 days last year and choked it away and finished below 500. But you've got to be feeling good through the first two weeks of the year. Oh, so excited. After that doubleheader where, honestly, I thought, Okay, not going to lie. I feel like when you win a doubleheader and you get two wins off that, I feel like it feels a little bit less than like real games because it is a seven inning game, even if the first game, the doubleheader basically went nine innings. But I do feel some part of me feels like it's a little bit of a cheat game. However, I was so happy they picked up two wins. That, I think, was what really started the series off because Lindor having that walk off in the first game just completely set the momentum, right? Because everyone was so excited. Pete started trying to like pull off Lindor's shirt and it was like, you have another game to play. So they come back out and they play another game and they win that one too. I think that was the real setting point for the series. And the next game they lose, but you also have to remember you're playing the Giants. It's not like you're playing a team where you're going to roll over them. It's not like you're playing the Marlins. Like you're playing the Giants. You're playing a team who could potentially be a World Series contender, right? So for me, I was really impressed. They were able to take three out of four from them. I've been checking standings constantly. And I was like, because at first when I saw it, I was like, the Mets have a crazy good record. And then I was like, wait, do they have the best record in the MLB? And then I was scrolling through and I was like, there's no way. Because obviously, as you've said, some of their schedule has been a lot easier. But when I see that the Mets have a better record than the Dodgers, I feel like I'm living in an alternate world. I'm like, what is going on? Do I think the Mets would beat the Dodgers? No, I really don't. But I'm still impressed that they have a better record than them. So I've been really excited to watch everything. One thing for me is that Pete Alonzo, I feel like if he's not hitting home runs, he's striking out. And that's driving me crazy. Like, I don't know what he's always been. I know, but it's driving me. I don't know why it's driving me like extra crazy this year because they'll be in situations and, you know, you have him as your big hitter, right? And then you'll go up and you'll have runners on second and third and you need him. He just needs to put it in play and then he'll strike out. And I know that's how it's always been. But something about it this year is really irking me because I feel like if the Mets do really want to be a contender this year, they can't leave guys on base. You can't do that. And I feel that more than anyone, I think Pete Alonso has been leaving guys on base. And I know that's how he's always been. And he still has a crazy number of home runs. But I mean, we saw at the end of last season, he started hitting line drives and he started putting the ball in play, even if it wasn't a home run. And I think at points this season, 
I love when there's no one on base and he takes big swings. And if you strike out, then whatever. But when you have guys on second and third, I think you need to change it up a little bit. Try to hit the ball in play instead of going for the big mighty swing that might bring in more runs. Yeah, that's fair. I think the most impressive thing, though, with the Mets is, I mean, all three of the big free agents that they brought in on offense have been performing up to or above expectations. Mark Canna has been so clutch, especially with two outs. Starling Marte has been caught stealing a couple times, but he's had some big plays on the base paths. And Eduardo Escobar, seven doubles, first home run yesterday. I mean, when was the last time that the New York Mets signed people to play offense and they actually played up to expectations? Like as Drupal Cabrera, Curtis Granderson, it's been like five years. Yeah. I mean, I was not expecting anything from any of these three guys because they're all north of, you know, 28 years old. And we all know what happened when the Mets signed Jed Lowry three years <laughs> ago. So I, I, but they've all been really impressive. Kenna, yeah, he was on the COVID injured list for the Diamondback series comes right back as a big hit in his first game back. So Mets are really good. They've got a lot of depth right now. The question is staying healthy. And if the starting rotation can keep things going, there's still some red flags on that bullpen. Seth Lugo has been very up and down to start the season. Shreve has been good, but it's just annoying that Aaron Loop isn't there anymore because Aaron Loop has not allowed a hit yet this season with the Angels. Yeah. And I, it, it sucks that the Mets couldn't keep him, but Jason Shreve has done pretty good. But it's going to be interesting to see how the Mets develop once their schedule gets a little tougher, that won't happen this weekend because fortunately <laughs> the Arizona Diamondbacks again, who are outside of the Orioles, arguably the worst team in baseball. So uh, th- that should be a pretty easy series win for the Mets. Again, I, I expect them to be able to take two of three uh, at Chase Field. But let's talk about the Dodgers, Zoe, because they're another top team. Freddie Freeman hit his first home run as a Dodger, ironically, in his first at bat against the Braves. Yeah, but then yeah. the Braves won that game with Kenley Jansen getting Freddie Freeman to fly out, which was just all kinds of crazy alternate universe stuff. But the Dodgers are looking pretty good so far. Yeah, Colorado's gotten off to a good start and they lead the NLS, but they're going to fall apart eventually because they have no pitching. The Dodgers, do you think that this team maybe is the best all put together Dodgers roster over these last few years? And do you think they're still the NL favorites? Oh, for sure. I don't think there's any question on that. I mean, I said earlier, right, like the Mets do have the best record in baseball. But there's no question in my mind that if they played a series with the Dodgers, the Dodgers would take, if not sweep that series, just because of the depth of the Dodgers team. I mean, you look at their, you look at their pitching, right? And you're like, whoa, that's insane. And then you look at their hitters front to back and you're like, that's even crazier. And it's just like, there's no weak points in their lineup. Like a lot of times when you play a team, it's like, okay, once you get to the six, seven and eight hitters, you have it a little bit easier, right? They're still MLB players and they're still going to hit, but it's not like you're facing the greatest hitters in baseball. But with the Dodgers, there's none of that. Their whole entire lineup, front to back, is ridiculous hitters. So there's nothing you can do. It's like, what's the point in intentionally walking one guy? Because the next guy who comes up is going to be just as good and just as dangerous. And I think that's something that the Dodgers have that not many other teams have. And even when some teams have better depth or they have good depth in their later rosters, nothing is like the Dodgers. And For me, that's the scariest part because injuries happen all the time in baseball, right? Like you and I are both just crossing our fingers that some catastrophic injury doesn't happen for the Mets because that would tank their season. And because they have no, they don't have that much depth, especially in the bullpen. If an injury happened for the Dodgers, sure, they'd be like, oh, that's sad. We're missing a guy, but they'd still be fine. They'd still be rolling. They'd still be winning games. They'd still 
be World Series favorites because one injury, no matter who it was on the entire team, isn't going to slow them down. And for me, that's what makes them scarier than anything, even besides their hitting, besides the lineup. It's the fact that anyone could get hurt. Multiple people could get hurt and have season-ending injuries, and they would still be this terrifying team. And that, for me, is the scariest thing beyond anything. So let's talk about the American League. Now, we can have a rational conversation about the Yankees today because yes. Tim isn't here. No, anymore. Tim. Yes, no he's calling hockey this weekend, so he's away. So we can have a reasonable conversation because let, let's just tell a little story. Opening day when the Yankees won, the Yankees won that game. In the camp group chat, Tim is saying that the season is over for the Yankees. They won. They were 1-0. But – they have not played that well. They lost the series to the Orioles. Yesterday, had a chance to sweep the Tigers got shut out for the third time this season. I mean, looking at this team, we're seeing Joey Gallo struggling mightily, barely batting 100. Kiner Falefa has not been a great addition to this team so far, especially on the offensive side. Looking at this team through these first couple of weeks, sir, do you have any concerns, especially with Garrett Cole struggling, about how far the Yankees can really go this year? Okay, I always have concerns about the Yankees because deep inside, I want to see the Yankees lose. That's always been my thing. I love seeing the Yankees lose. And even going into this season, even with the Mets as the better team on paper, for me, there's always something that's just like the Yankees are the Yankees and they're going to find a way to win. So even though they're struggling and even though they literally lost to the Orioles, who, as you said, are probably the worst team in baseball right now, it doesn't matter because once they get past the first 60 games of the season, they could turn it on and win almost every game from there on out and go to the ALCS, like not even a question. And so for me, yes, I get there are concerns right now and they're not performing, but if you look at their record, it's not like they're as bad as other teams. They're still second in the East, right? They're tied with Tampa Bay and like they're only one game behind Toronto. So I know they're playing bad for Yankee standards, right? And it's not up to par. But I still don't have too many concerns about them because I still think they're terrifying. So, I mean, for me, I don't think you're ever going to get me to say, no, I don't think the Yankees are a contender this year. Because I've learned too many times when I've said that they end up and they end up being better than the Mets. So I've just decided not to say that anymore. So for me, no, I think the Yankees are still scary. And even if they're in a little bit of a slump right now, it's really, really early in the season. We're not even at 20 games yet. So I think you're going to see a big turnaround. I think you're going to see them get a little bit whipped into shape, especially playing on such a big stage. You can't suck for that long or else like the Mets like are a laughing stock because they sucked for that long in front of a New York audience. And the Yankees will never become that. They're not going to let themselves become that. So I think give them a little time and much to Tim's dismay, apparently, because I think he wants to see them lose at this point. They're going to be good. It, it's going to happen. Just give them a little time. Yeah, it's it's tough for the Yankees because I mean, especially as Mets fans, because how the Yankees are playing right now, you'd still be accepting of as a Mets fan. If that oh, was you'd be excited. Yeah. You would be, you'd be like, we have more wins than losses. Yeah, over 500 <laughs> is thrilling to me. The funniest story, though, so far from the Yankee season, I've got to play a clip on here. So Garrett Cole had an awful start the other night in Detroit. The Yankees still won the game. 
but he threw 29 balls in one inning and got taken out in the second inning. And then there's a parody account on Twitter of New York Post called New York Porch Sports that tweeted that Garrett Cole promised an underprivileged school he'd donate 600 MacBooks if he went over two innings tonight. The Yankees ace went 1.2. And obviously that's fake, but the Los Angeles Angels radio broadcast thought it was legit. He had promised to an underprivileged school in New York before that ball game that he would donate 600 MacBooks if he went two innings or more tonight in that ball game. Certainly a nice gesture on his part. He ended up getting taken out of the game going an inning and two thirds. Wow. <laughs> okay, this is why you always have to check if something is verified on Twitter. But it's literally, I, I can't tell you that's more embarrassing for like for him or for the news station. I really can't decide. <laughs> it was, that's horrible. But yeah, but that's why you always have to check. You always got to check on Twitter. There's been there's different Twitter accounts. I saw Magic Johnson believed something that Kyrie Irving challenged James Harden to a fight in practice, according to some parody account, and then said it on ESPN. I mean, you've just you've got to look at these Twitter accounts. You've got to look at the Twitter handles and make sure, especially since most of them in their bios say that it's a parody account. So yeah, do, 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 do your homework, folks. But one more thing I want to talk about on this show is the possibility of expansion in Major League Baseball because there were some uh, news that came out, I think on Tuesday, that a group of buyers are interested in potentially bringing a Major League Baseball franchise to Nashville. Now, we already know that baseball is in a situation where there are two teams that are not doing well where they are. The Tampa Bay Rays, despite being consistently, arguably the second best team in baseball, aside from the Dodgers over the last five years, still can't draw and their stadium is falling apart. And then you have Oakland, who is now really bad and only had 2,000 people at their game, 2,000 tickets sold for their last game of their series on Wednesday. <laughs> so there, and Oakland, the city does not want to build them a new stadium. So they're probably going to be going somewhere. I think they're going to end up in Las Vegas, but Zoe, do you think Nashville would be a good place for MLB to go? And if not, what are some, you know, potential cities that you think could really host Major League Baseball teams? I think Nashville could be a pretty good city. I think people there are pretty enthusiastic. And I think if they'd go for baseball, I think there's other sports they might prefer over baseball. But I think Nashville could use some sports like that, right? They have a lot of music and whatever, but you could really use a little sports life. As for the as for Oakland, I completely agree with you. I think things are falling apart there. I didn't even know that their numbers were that low. That's that's crazy. That's lower than like the amount of Rams fans there are in the entire U.S. So that's crazy. But I think there could definitely be some switches. I think you bring some more teams East Coast. I don't know. I feel like a lot of teams on the East Coast get a lot more attention. And for me, when I say East Coast, I think like Upper East Coast. I think more New England than I think like. Florida because obviously Tampa Bay is not getting that same thing because if you live in Florida like you're a Marlins fan like I, there's no other real question about it. even though the Marlins are so bad it's just kind Marlins of what it is. Marlins get that much hand. fandom either which is so surprising the fact that yeah. baseball has had spring training in Florida for 60 years but they can't get major league teams supported there throughout the year. No literally so I think if you're trying to I think you definitely go east coast because east coast like upper east coast is where it is. I think personally, I know it sounds crazy, but like I've been waiting for Maine to get a team because like somewhere in Maine, like Portland or whatever, because they have all these minor league teams. But I think that if you brought a major league team in, I think that would really change the chemistry of what's going on there. 
So I think you bring a couple more teams like along that area. And I think it could work even the place like, I don't know, like I know New York has two teams, right? And technically like, like the Mets like almost play in Jersey and it's like a whole thing. But I think even like a situation like the Devils in hockey, right? Like you add another team that like, so these Jersey people don't root for New York teams anymore and they can be like a little different because they like being different. I think you add... I'm not exactly sure where, but I mean, you're someone from Jersey. Like, would you want to see a baseball team in Jersey? Well, here's the thing, because they've rumored this before, especially when the A's were on the move the first time and ultimately went to Oakland. There were rumors about the A's coming to New Jersey and then Mm -hmm. the Yankees. And uh, I imagine the Mets would be the same way. And I feel like the Phillies, too, would freak out about them stealing, you know, fans. I mean, that has been a history. That's the unfortunate thing about being in New Jersey. The nice thing is that you are within an hour from both from two major cities, from both New York and Philly. But the bad thing is you are not going to, I don't think you're going to be able to get a professional sports team. If you remember, I mean, even back in the seventies, when the Nets joined the NBA, they had to give away their best player in Julius Irving just to be allowed to join the NBA because the Knicks were upset that they were going to be stealing their fan base and being steal revenue from a team in New York. So I don't really think it would be possible to bring a team here. I think your idea of Maine is interesting. The only thing is those games in April are going to be absolutely brutally freezing. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe you build, maybe you build like one of the first indoor MLB stadiums. You build like a a big dome and go for the dome life. I don't know. The other ones that I think are interesting, like maybe in the Southwest, like Oklahoma city or Albuquerque, New Mexico, they have really well supported minor league baseball teams. And there's kind of a dead zone there from Texas down to Cali, aside from the diamondbacks, there's a lot of open space there where, you know, a baseball team would be supported and weather wouldn't necessarily be an issue. So I think those are some interesting ones to consider. Zoe, what if they brought a team to Chappaqua, New York? I genuinely would be afraid because we can't even like, our high school teams can't even function. So I don't know how an MLB team would function because we have no fans. So Chappaqua Chihuahuas or something that yeah, Chappaqua Chihuahuas, please like El Paso. That would probably be the worst investment someone's ever made. I think you're better off making another team like next door to Miami and seeing how many fans you get. But we'll see because obviously the Oakland A's situation is going to have to be settled first. And some news with that, if they end up going to Las Vegas, could come very soon. So it'll be interesting to pay attention to. But uh, two weeks into this baseball season, still much more to go. Zoe Alter, thanks again for joining us here on Sportspeak. Of course. Thanks for having me. So that'll wrap things up. A reminder, you can follow along with our NASCAR weekly pick on Twitter at Sportspeak Live. Tim is not doing well, and he's getting pretty frustrated with it. So we'll see if he can turn things around this weekend. And obviously, all episodes available on both YouTube and Spotify. For Zoe, Raheel, and Nick, I'm Eddie Kalegi signing off here on episode 94 of Sportspeak. We hope you have a great rest of your weekend.